All right, we are super excited about this series, Mission Possible. So we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read a few verses here. And as you're turning there, anybody have the old school Bible? Are you turning there right now? If you got your app, pull, go ahead and pull your app out. We, we won't app shame you today. We won't phone shame you. That was last week. You won't be phone shamed again this week. <laughs> you won't be phone shamed, I promise. Do, 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 do. Here we go. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read a few verses. I'm reading out of the, the English Standard Version. And this is what it says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Say all authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's powerful, isn't it? So the Great Commission is what we call it, which is uh, these few verses is, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. We call that the Great Commission. And friends, we believe that it is a mission that is possible. Amen? So what's so cool about, about this is when I was uh, kind of thinking and praying and, and I was just reminded of the power of the invitation. I was just, and, and so uh, first I was um, thinking about the disciples in the uh, early book of, of uh, chapter um, one of John. And so as I was going through, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to actually read these verses. It's about 20 verses. Are you guys going to, here, just take a deep breath real good. Because <sighs> sometimes you start reading the word and, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like daydreaming and you're like butterfly and squirrel and, hey, look at that thing hanging there on the ceiling and whatever else. And, you know, or, you know, I got something stuck in between my fingernail or what's that in his tooth or whatever. You know, sometimes we can get kind of distracted. That's why we we're talking about sidetrack last week. So just take a deep breath because the word of God is powerful. This is a great uh, account of what actually happened. And I think that it can encourage us just how powerful the invite is. So if you got your Bibles, turn it to John chapter 1. We're going to read verse 35 through 51. Oh, my gosh. Guess what? We can, people can't ever claim that we don't read the Bible in church because we're about to read a bunch of them. Boom. All right, here we go. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, good. I got four people ready. Good. That's all I need. Just four of us. Let's go. Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 35 to 51. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with his two disciples. This is John the Baptist. Remember him? Okay, he was camel's hair, wild hair, locust honey, out there by the Jordan River, baptizing people. He had people following him. Okay, so this is John the, John the Baptist. He was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Because why? What was John the Baptist? What was his job? His job was to point the way of the Lord. Amen? So that's what he's doing. So when he sees the lamb, he's like, you know, even though he's got these disciples and followers and all this, he's like, behold, look, there he is. That's him. Verse 37. The two disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. Pause right there for a minute. Now, if John, I'm going to get off a tangent a few times, but that's okay. If John the Baptist had any insecurity, uh, he just had people leave his church. So good thing he was about his mission and not about success and all these other things that the American church tries to put on us. 
Because, friends, it isn't about how many people are at this church and how many people are at that church. It's about people following Jesus. Amen. Say amen right there. Okay, here we go. They followed Jesus, verse 30, 38. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? Oh, man, that's a message in itself. Jesus is turning to people saying, what are you seeking? What are you in church looking for? What are you seeking after? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So they're like, where are you going? We want to go where you're going. Go to the next page. Verse 36. He said to them, come, and you will see. I think it's awesome. That's, you know, the ministry of the Lord Jesus is for people to actually see what he's doing. It's a show-and-tell gospel, right? It ain't this fake, you know, come up with religious stuff. No, man, it's people experiencing God and telling about how good he is. Okay, come and see. Come and, I will, come and you'll see. So they came and they saw where he was staying, and they sat, excuse me, they stayed with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay? Verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon. So, so one of the two disciples that was following John said, man, i got to get my brother here. So he goes and he finds his brother. And what, what's his brother? Peter, right? Simon Peter. And said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. Verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Paul's there right there. He brought him to Jesus. Come on, that's our mission. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. And that's what's amazing, friends. Your job isn't to save people. Your job is to bring people to Jesus and let him tell them who he is. I heard this, I heard this woman preach, and she said, uh, actually, I'll tell you her name, because her name is Lisa Revere, because she, uh, her and her, John, her husband, John, amazing ministry, their messages, powerful, books are powerful. She says this. She says, you cannot find who you are in the presence of people. You can only find out your identity and who you are in the presence of God. So what happened here? He brought him to Jesus. Jesus told him who he was. Come on. Let God tell you who you are. Be defined by what he says. I mean, I've got little mini messages in here. Boom. Okay, verse 38, uh, 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. So, friends, if you're kind of looking at this, there's times when Jesus goes to people and they have an experience with Jesus, you know, for themselves. And there's sometimes that, that there needs to be a person who is the one that actually brings them to Jesus for them to meet with Jesus. Are you seeing this? And so we pray, we pray this. I pray that people have an experience with God and that, you know, and that happens. There's some people that, you know, they have dreams, they have visions. Jesus shows up in their living room and they're like, oh, my goodness, and they get saved. But, but for the most part, what happens, how people come to know Christ, it's through invitation. Say invitation. Okay, let's keep going here. Brought him to Jesus. Okay. The next day, went, he said, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda and the city of Andrew and Peter. So then Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found the one who Moses and the law also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then what happens? We know Nathaniel is a little bit of a skeptic, and that's okay. Jesus can handle with skeptics. And he said, what? <laughs> can anything good come of a Nazareth? <laughs> can anything good come from South Toledo? Can anything good come from Waterville? Can anything good come from Toledo? Isn't that the armpit of America? Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not the armpit. <laughs> Ann Arbor. Oh. 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Say, come and see. Why? Because it's a show and tell gospel, right? It's a show and tell gospel. And let me just, go, let me just challenge you. God is not intimidated by, being, by him being challenged. God can handle himself. God doesn't necessarily need you to defend his name, even though that is honorable. God can defend his own name. God can show off and do what he wants to do, and he doesn't, and he doesn't need us to, you know, try to cut off somebody's ear like Simon, like Simon was going to do something when Jesus was like, I got 12 legions of angels, buddy. <laughs> You're working on a little, little, uh, on just a, you know, a little sword here. Let me tell you about my 72,000 angels that I got waiting, waiting for me. So, anywho, back on the scripture here. So Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found the one. Okay, we, we got all that. Yep, he has, you know, he's kind of like, eh, can anything actually good come out of Nazareth? You know, he's kind of a skeptic. Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. So it's almost like as soon as he meet him, Jesus is kind of reading this guy's mail. And then Nathanael's like, how do you know me? You know, you're, you're like talking good about me, but you don't know me. You don't know, you don't know who, you don't know my life. You don't know this life. Have you ever heard that? You don't know my life. That's, that's basically what he's saying, isn't he? That's what he's saying. He's like, you don't know me. How do you know me? You don't know my life. You don't know my struggle. And then Jesus answered him and he gives him a prophetic word. He said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And then Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. See, friends, there's power in prophetic word. I mean, that prophetic word pierced straight through his, his skepticism, pierced straight through his, you know, almost, I would say he was almost even a little bit uh, kind of challenging Jesus, and it went right to his heart. He knew exactly who Jesus was from that, from that revelation. That's powerful. Boom. That's why we need the prophetic ministry. We need the prophetic word of God alive and active in the church and in our lives and through our lives. Because you can just let it pierce through all the lies of the enemy. Jesus answered him, because I saw you. Yep, okay. Is there one more? I think there's one more verse. Verse 51. And he said unto them, truly, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's like, like I told you a prophetic word, but you're going to see even greater things. But I just wanted to just capture this, this little uh, piece of Scripture because it's so powerful. Because it's so powerful because... If you notice, there were times when Jesus was looking at a person and calling them to himself. And then there was times when people went to their brothers, their family, their cousins, whoever they were. And they're like, come, you need to come see this. You need to come see Jesus. Come, come, let's go find out. Let's go see what's going on. Because, friends, there's power in the invite. And so, friends, who do we need to find? Who do we need to find? Is there someone in our life? Is there, is there a person that we need to say, man, you need to come to church? Or, man, you need to come. You need to come. You know, not like, oh, you need to get saved. You need to read the Bible. Not like beating them over. But, man, let's just come. Let me show you something. Let me show you how good my God is. Not you wretched sinner and beat him down with the sin stick. Like, you don't, right? That, I've never, ever in 20 years of ministry ever seen somebody get saved by somebody beating them over the head with the Bible. Or them beating them with scripture. Or, and it doesn't work that way. Because the scripture, when I read it, it says that God's goodness leads men to repentance. Or, or another scripture says the kindness of God leads to repentance. So people actually have, they have uh, an encounter with God. They realize how amazing God is. That God isn't trying to shun them. God isn't trying to, to, to beat them up. But God is actually trying to love on them. And trying to forgive them. And trying to release them from strongholds. And 
out of that affection, it draws people to him. And he's so good at that. So who do we need to find? I love it. I, I highlighted it. You probably didn't see it. It said, it said, you know, like it said that uh, like one found one, one found the other, and all this other stuff. Simple, just say, come and see. Come on to church. Experience God for yourself. Oh, you're skeptic? Well, just come. God's good at showing himself. I think it was last year, maybe a year. No, yeah, it was last year. We had um, some of our youth go to a youth conference, right? It was um, the, I can't remember what it was. It was uh, one of those conferences that they were going to uh, in Youngstown, Ohio. And they actually came back, what's that? Two years ago. It was two years ago. And the youth came back, man, they were stoked. They were like on fire. I mean, they were just like all fired up. And so over at our South Toledo campus, we had two services. They, they had service, kind of almost like kind of like this. But they didn't even have preaching because the Spirit of the Lord was, so, was, was there so, so strongly and so evident that the, basically the whole service was people getting prayed for and people laying down and people just like repenting of their sins and people experiencing God. So, so that happened one week. And so we say, you know, we kind of have in our, in our hearts, our, at least my wife and I in our ministry, it's like we prepare, but we expect, we want to be interrupted. <laughs> like we would, we would, like we got everything ready, but it would be much better if God interrupts because God can do in just a few moments way better than I can sit there preaching and counseling you in 10 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, that's just how he is. I mean, he can, he can set you free. He can break off lies. He can do all that stuff that counseling and medication can't do, but that you need that stuff, get that stuff. But God can, he can do that stuff. And I've seen him do, I've seen him take people who were addicts and instantaneously set them free. Um, it's just, it's, it's just how, it's how our God works. And there's other times it's like he has people work through their addiction. So God does it the way he wants to do it. I don't know why. It's just, it's how he works. So, uh, the second night we had, or excuse me, the second week, there was kind of like this expectation in people. Like they were like kind of expecting, and it was kind of funny because actually I was, uh, expecting, cause I think I was preaching that week. And, and so I came with expectations and guess what? It's not like we like want. It's not like you can't like. Okay, we're gonna not. No, we we had a message prepared. We had everything, and it happened again. Holy Spirit showed up, and people are you know same thing. They're at the altar. They're repenting. They're going after the Lord. All this other stuff. And out of those two days, do you know that there was a woman that was invited to church who was an atheist? She didn't believe in God. But what happened was she had an encounter with God that, that was so undeniable, she didn't even know what, it, what, what was going on. She just knew that God was there. And so, so uh, that was on a Sunday. She came back on Monday, and she's like, can I just go sit in the sanctuary so that I can try to experience what I experienced the other day? She didn't even know. We, you know, we call that obviously she experienced the presence of God. She had an encounter with God, and she couldn't shake it. And then she started going to the church, and she just started getting poured into and discipled. Why? Because God is good at proving himself. Okay? God can, he can take care of skepticisms. He's, re he's really good at that. So, friends, uh, who do we need to find? Who do we need to invite? Friends, I just, like, I want to just again say there is power of the, in the personal invite. There is power in that. Just think, like, I'm just thinking of, like, my own story. And so it was my mom's friend who invited my mom where my mom got saved and drug us to church, right? 
Uh, and so uh, somebody who wasn't church, wasn't going to church, didn't know anything about all that stuff, only thought of like like Catholic church and oh, and sit down and, and all that stuff. That's all I thought. Um, and there's people that do that, and that's great for them. But for a young man that was not, you know, attractive or appealing to me, and so I stepped into a church that was kind of like this, where, you know, they're, you know, the guy was down to earth. They had, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. This is a lot different. I never expect, I don't even, I never saw anything like that before. But it was through the invite of a friend to my mom that got, she got saved and then I got saved. Say power of the personal invite. And it doesn't matter. That woman, her husband was an iron coffin. Does anybody know what the iron coffins are? Okay, those were a biker gang, bad dudes. It don't matter who you are. So, so powerful. John chapter 4, there's a woman, she's at a well. And so Jesus tells her, he reads her mail. Prophetic ministry, right? He says, you know, not only, you know, come bring your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're correct in saying that because you had five husbands and the man you're living with is not your husband. And she's like, you're a prophet. And then he starts speaking and declaring uh, the word of the Lord to her. And she leaves her bucket and she runs off to uh, the Samaritan city. And she goes and she tells everybody. And all she does is say, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. And the scripture says that the whole town came, and this is what's so powerful. And then it says this in verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in his test, uh, excuse me, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of, say this with me, the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Take that, John MacArthur. Guess what? It was the woman's testimony. That caused this whole town to come to know Christ. So, so where John MacArthur is telling women to go home, I'm saying, no, come on, we need y'all. There's a whole town that got saved because of one woman's testimony. Powerful. She invited them to come seek, right? Jesus didn't even go into the town. Say power of the personal invite. So we see even in this, there's power of the prophetic. Because Jesus speaks to her, speaks prophetically to her. She runs to the town, and she has a testimony. Come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. And she, what she does, she invites them to Jesus, and it said many came to know him because of that. Why? Friends, the power of prophetic ministry. That's why we need prophetic ministry in our life. We need prophetic ministry in the church. We need people that are hearing. When I'm saying prophetic, basically you're hearing God and you're declaring the word of the Lord. That can be through scripture. That can be through prophetic word. That, that, however that works, the power of prophetic. Power of a testimony. What is a testimony? A testimony is you sharing what God has done in your life. And then the invite. God's done in this in my life. Come see. What can he do for you? What can God do? Friends, obviously she didn't make the best relationship decisions. But she did have a mouth. And she had boldness. And she went throughout the town inviting them to come to know, come to hear this man who was Jesus. Amen? Say, look at your neighbor and say, I got a mouth. Some of y'all looking at that and say, yeah, and it's bigger than mine. Okay. You got a big one. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. You guys catching this a little bit? 
We're going to go and we're going to, I got a few more scriptures and then we're going to go into uh, some objectives because that's what happens when you're on a mission. You got to have some objectives, right? All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one whom they have not heard? And how can they, how are they to believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How are they here without you sharing? People at your job will not hear unless you might be the vessel God wants to use. And how can they, how can they preach unless they're sent? Guess what? We're a sending church, friends. We, we believe in empowering people and sending them. Be sent in the name of Jesus. Romans, or no, wrong one, sorry, at the wrong place. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. I love this. This is what he says. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without pay, give without pay. Basically, share the gospel and demonstrate it. But I love just those first four words. Proclaim as you go. Proclaim as you go. Look at your neighbor say, proclaim as you go. So you got Bob Evans going, gonna, you know, you can ha- is Bob Evans happening after church today? I don't know. Maybe that's where you're going. So you, you're going to probably receive food. There's going to be a waitress. She's going to be sitting there. She's going to bring your food. And then a lot of times she'll say, do you need anything else? Say, yeah, ma'am, uh, we're going to pray over our food. Can we just speak a blessing over you? I guarantee you 99% of the, of the waitresses are going to say, sure. It's not that difficult. Say, proclaim as you go. My wife and I, we've done that from time to time. And uh, a lot of times through that, that first little invite, you know, of just praying for them, she'll come back. We'll talk to her a little bit. We've had times where they've, she's actually come and sat next to us. She starts pouring out her life and pouring out her tears, and we start praying over her, invite her to church. Boom, seeds planted. Go about her business. Enjoy the rest of her day. Proclaim as you go. Okay? So just bring it along with you. Right? So your mission, if you choose to accept it, it's to share your love of Jesus and why you do. Share the love of Jesus and why you love him. There's a lot of people, they don't accept it. They just want, they want other people to do it. But I'm telling you, friends, there is so much joy when you are a part of somebody's story. Even if it's a small part. You may play a, a large part. You may play a small part. Tracy, my mom's friend, will never know the full impact of her invite that affected my mom, that affected me, that has affected my family, and that's now affected two churches that are in uh, Northwest Ohio because of, of an invite, right? Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to share the love of Jesus and why. So on this mission, you're going to have three objectives. Are you ready for these objectives? They're easy. They're fun. So our first objective, if you choose to accept this mission, is you got to be ready. Look at your neighbor and say, be ready. Be ready. And so, and I just put a few little, little points here. And what I'm talking about is be ready in conversation, pointing upward. You know, maybe you can even steer some conversation toward Lord. If somebody, uh, if you're eating lunch with somebody or you're spending some time with somebody or you're on the phone with somebody and they're just sharing about, man, how tough things are going or, man, their, their struggle or, or what's going on, how, how, how easy is it for you just for a moment, just kind of steer the conversation and say, you know, hey, man, can I pray for you? Or, hey, uh, 
I know you're really struggling right now. I know one thing that really helps me is, man, you know, I have a relationship with God, and, and when I'm going through things, I, you know, I pray, I whatever, just some way where you can kind of plant seeds. You know, you don't have to, like, convert them to, to the Lord right there on the spot. I mean, that has happened. But, as, but just plant seeds, you know, in conversation. And uh, be ready in everyday life. That means there's, there's times, has anybody here uh, ever heard of the prompting of the Holy Spirit? How many people have actually experienced a prompting of the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. So, um, so what would that look like? What's a prompting of the Holy Spirit? Somebody just shout it out. Yeah, maybe God's telling you to talk to somebody. Or maybe like uh, you kind of have like this little like kind of like something stirring inside your heart. I, that's how sometimes I kind of feel it like right here. It's like, okay, God, I know you're wanting me to say something. You know, maybe there's a, a prompting in your everyday life. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. It says to be, or preach the word, and to be ready in season and out of season. And then rebu- reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Okay, obviously you're not supposed to be going around rebuking everybody. He's actually giving this as an instruction to Timothy, who's a pastor of a church. And so he's giving him instructions to actually shepherd his church. So when he's saying preach the gospel, go and some people, they take that literally where they're preaching the gospel and they're going there rebuking everybody. Okay? Okay. <laughs> um, I believe you're, you know, I believe you're supposed to obviously rebuke because that is our scripture, but it needs to be done in context, okay? Actually, this is what I love. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go, I'm going to steer this for a moment before we go to objective number two. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. I believe that if the church as we as the body of Christ can get a hold of this, I believe that we would actually be a lot more effective in our voice, and, who, and, and us actually being a representation of Jesus. And this is what it says. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach. This is, I read this, I'm like, I've never read this before. Because this is my first time actually going through the ESV. That's why if you notice everything's in ESV. Because I'm actually going through the ESV. Because I've always read it as, um, uh, like, like, basically like you putting up with, like, you know, somebody. And it said, and I, and I looked up, I'm like, and I looked it up, I'm like, I've read, I looked at the NSB or uh, NASB, I'm like, it wasn't in there. And King James, it wasn't in there. But then it was in the Young's Literal Translation, and that's what it says. And, and, and right there, it says, patiently enduring evil. I'm like, wait, what? You know, have you ever read something that you, like, man, I've read the Bible over and over again, and I just don't remember that. And I'm flipping through, I'm like, because it was worded differently. But the actual Young's Literal Translation means that's what we're supposed to do. Patiently endure evil. Who wants to endure evil? Nobody. But guess what? Evil's going to come upon us, and we're called to patiently endure it. I mean, go through it. Don't run from it. Don't buck up against it. But you know what? And Because in, in, in context, he's talking about somebody being quarrelsome to you. Meaning they're coming against your faith. They're coming against what you believe. They're calling you stupid. They're calling you an idiot. They're calling you a buffoon. They're saying, oh, he's got religion, all this other stuff. And, and you know what? And you can, in, in patience and in humility, you can actually stir that and correct people without um, getting all angry and everything else like that. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Smack yourself in the forehead and say, oh, Lord, give me some gentleness. <laughs> Correcting opponents with gentleness. Friends, gentleness is a very, very powerful tool that I don't believe many of us tap into. Scripture talks about that a gentle answer is what turns away wrath. Are you going to have opponents? Yep. Maybe when you come home from church, maybe your spouse is going to be your opponent. (laughs) 
maybe not, that's not what it really is, but that's how you feel, right? Right. But it says, what? Where's that? What's that word right there? End, end of that uh, verse 25. Gentleness. I go through the uh, fruit of the Spirit on my fingers, and, I, and that's the one I pray over myself. That's the one that is definitely the smallest fruit. But it's a fruit of the Spirit, meaning God can develop it in our hearts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? Correcting people with gentleness. And then this is why. Why do you do it like this? Not, not because you're weak, not because you're a pushover, but because of the rest of this. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their own senses, escaping from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So by you actually re- returning it with gentleness, that person might get saved. Holy smokes! But I just got to tell them about themselves, and you may absolutely lose your opportunity of them coming to know Jesus. But I have every right to. Yeah, you do. You have every right to lose your cool. You have every right to tell somebody about themselves. But if you do that, are you going to lose your witness? This ain't even my message, but, man, I just feel the Holy Spirit so strongly because I believe, man, we're in such a quarrelsome society where everybody's always wanting to buck up against everybody. Don't tell me about myself. I'm going to tell you about yourself. Right? Think about the elections, man. Oh, my gosh. These are, these are our leaders of our country. Leaders of our country. And I'll tell you, I, okay, I, I watched probably the first 30 minutes of the Democratic debate, and it was about just ripping on President Trump. Okay, I don't know if you voted for him or if you didn't vote for him. That doesn't matter. What matters is he is the person that is in charge of our country right now, and the Scripture calls us to honor the king and to pray for him. Pray that, you know, pray that that he would have wisdom. Pray that God would bring godly counsel around him to make good decisions, non-corrupt decisions. Man, we just, man, our, our country is so, you know, it's a, the United States, and then you watch the elections, and it's the divided states. I believe we're coming into a time when, when, when the Lord has called his church to walk in such unity for people to come to know Christ. Because it's just going to keep getting worse. It's just going to keep getting worse. And to be quite honest, I don't even see the the I don't even see America in the book of Revelation. So who knows what happens to us? <laughs> right? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe we're there. Maybe maybe we blew ourselves up. I don't know. But anyways, off topic, back on. Okay. So gentleness. Boom. Okay. Objective number one is be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Look at your neighbor, say be ready. Be ready. Number two, friends, be yourself. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to preach this thing into the floor. Be yourself. Don't be me. Don't be Pastor Joy. Don't be Papa Frank. You don't have to be. You are called to be yourself. The Lord chose to empower you with his spirit so that you can be the conduit he flows through, that you can be a witness of his greatness. So, friends, that means, you know what? Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, be your, your selfish, sinful nature. No, that, okay, we're not talking about that. That's a die. Crucify that. Okay, that's not you being yourself. That's you being like the devil. Okay? 
But I'm talking about in your personality. Friends, if you're witty, be, be witty. If you're funny, be funny. If you're a goofball, but eat, but eat, but eat, but that's all, folks. Be a goofball. If you're serious, be serious. If you're quiet, be quiet. If you have a calm demeanor, man, let that peace that you carry calm the storm. If you're loud, friends, be loud. Be yourself. <laughs> be yourself. Friends, the only person that we're supposed to act like is Jesus. And I see Jesus loving on people, and when I read Scripture, it looks like she's having a good time, to be quite honest. I don't see him going around all stoic, okay? This time he was rebuking the Pharisees and telling them about themselves, yeah. Because I think there's one of the things that it caused Jesus' heart to boil was that religious spirit. Because, Because a spirit of religion will always uh, persecute and always attack that which is genuine. Because religion wants that position. Okay? Now, this is what's so cool. I believe what God does is God marries his power to your personality. Let me say that again. I believe God marries his power to your personality so that there's grace in the weak areas of it Right? Because your personality has some weaknesses. And also, he tempers the strong areas of your personality. For example, if you're loud, you can probably get in trouble from time to time. Right? So, a weakness on being loud is maybe you're boisterous when you shouldn't be. So, God, because of him empowering you, will help temper that and actually uh, strengthen the area where you want to be loud and help you keep that tongue, bite that tongue, right? And then speak out boldly when you need to speak out boldly. And then on the flip side, let's say you're, let's say you're more quiet by nature. Man, you walk around, you bring, man, you walk into a room, there's just peace because you are just calm and you just, you just carry peace. And that's, that's powerful because the scripture says, uh, let the peace, when you walk into a room or if you walk into a house, if that, if that house is divert, if it's, deserving of it, then let your peace rest on that. So you can walk into a room and carry peace with you. Boom. I mean, that's your thing. But maybe you're more intimidated, more shy, more quiet, where the Lord will temper and cause you to speak out more. Because maybe the weakness is you would restrain yourself when you're actually called to speak out. Does that make sense? Okay. And all the other fun ones we said, you know. So so just be yourself. You don't have to be someone else. Let God marry his power to your personality. Again, think about this. God put his spirit and his power in you to flow through you so that you could be a witness of his goodness and his greatness. Not to be a mindless bot. Not for you to be a drone or a droid. If he wanted everybody to do it the exact same way he would, when, when his spirit would have came on you, you would have turned into a drone. Right? Like, oh, Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, that's No. I mean, if God wanted us to be mindless bots, he would have did it back in the, in the beginning. No, he gave them choice. It's a beautiful, great gift that we have, the freedom of choice. And we can choose to love God and do what he's called us to do, or we can choose to say, no, nah, God, nah, not today. So let's continue on here. You guys, you guys still with me? And, and um, this is the thing. This is what's so incredible. Friends, your story has so much power. Your story, your 
testimony has so much power. There is so much authority. The scripture says in the book of Revelation that they defeated him. Talking about Satan, the the accuser of the brethren. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony is so powerful. Friends, you need to tell someone your story. What is your story? Your story is what God has done or what God is doing. What God has done or what God is doing. So maybe this is your testimony. Maybe your testimony was I was, you know, and fill in the blank. I was, what is it, whatever that, I was depressed I was an addict. I was lost. I was lonely. I was selfish. I was broken. I was an orphan. I was a jerk. Whatever. Whatever you're before, maybe he's still doing it right now. Your testimony is what God has done or what he is doing. And so maybe your testimony is I was, but now I am. Now I am. I was, you know, uh, a drug abuser. I'm going to give my own story. I was a drug abuser, but now I am set free because of Jesus. Okay, I was. You know, let's just, let's actually, let's just practice that. Because I just think there's, there's such power in people's personal story. So I'm going to just give, a, just, just give you a moment here. And just say it out loud. What, I was, you fill out the blank. Somebody say it. I was a, say it loud so we can all hear. I was a man pleaser. I was depressed. I was, did you say something, Jubilee? I was a child. (laughs) I was, come on, somebody. I was angry. I was lost. Come on. I was a victim. We'll fix that later. I was somebody who had broken dreams. I was, come on, come on, people. What were you? I was drunk. I was broke. I was, I'm still broke. I was a mean girl. Jobless. Selfish. Angry. Hypersensitive. Anyone else? A few more. I was, right, I was selfish. I was offended. Unforgiving. I was religious. I was whatever they are. A jerk. But now I am, now I am, now go ahead. Now let's say this. This is the part of your story. Now I am, if you, if you could shout out the, the stuff you were, you should be able to shout out what you are now. I was sober. Yep, I am sober. I am Found. I am an overcomer. I am giving. I am employed. I am less of a jerk. Come on, that's a come on. That's process. Amen. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I am, come on, some more. I am. I am a sinner saved by grace. I am, that's right, I'm a work in process. Come on, I am 
Right, given tools. I am less hungry. Okay. I am nice. I am an overcomer, right? I am I'm filled with joy. I have peace. I'm telling I'm telling my own story now. Okay? Right. She's she's skinny. Okay. I right. I am right. I am no longer a victim, right? I'm a victor, right? Right. So your story basically is what you were to who you are or what God is doing in you. And, so, and, and see, now, now this is the thing. See, this, your, your, your testimony, it doesn't have to be squeaky clean, and it's never going to be squeaky clean. But what it is, it's, what's got, it's what God has done in your life. It's what you were and now who you are. And so if you didn't have peace and now you have peace, friends, that's a testimony of how amazing our God is. Right? If you had strongholds, if you were given over to certain sin issues, and now you're not giving yourself over to those things, friends, you are set free. Come on, someone. Right? Some people, they don't even realize that they're in bondage to relationships, and God sets them free. Some people don't even realize they're, they're in bondage to this and in bondage to that. Okay? I was, I was bound, but now I'm set free. So your story, man, is powerful. So... So number one, the first objective is to be ready. Number two, friends, be yourself. That's your objective, to be yourself. And then finally, friends, number three, be not afraid. Be not afraid. I know at first when, I, when, I, when, when I'm like writing this stuff, I'm like, is that proper English? That doesn't sound right. Be not afraid, but it actually is. And I'll prove it to you just so that you know that at one time it was proper English in the King James Version in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. This is what he says. In the kingeth versioneth, if you put that scripture up, it's the next one. That's what he says. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Be not afraid, friends. Be not ashamed. Be not intimidated. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. We're almost finished here. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Be not ashamed. Be not afraid. It's salvation for everyone who believes. Friends, I, I, I think that fear, I believe this with all my heart, I believe fear is the number one factor that keeps us from sharing the gospel, sharing our testimony, sharing uh, our story, inviting people. Why? Because Friends, the enemy is there to keep us from sharing because there's power in the gospel. The gospel has the power to change lives. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. And friends, your story, your testimony, your invite can change someone's destiny forever. It could change someone's course of where they're, of where they're destined. I didn't realize at 16 years old, the life I was living, I was bound and destined towards hell because of the life I was living. And because of somebody's invite, changed my destiny. Changed my life forever. And I was invited to meet with Jesus. And he has the power to change. And so two things, two more scriptures, and then we're going to close here. Acts chapter 4. I love this. Be not afraid. This is what's so cool. In the early church, there was all kinds of persecution. 
you know, we face light and momentary persecution, but, you know, we're not in a, we're, we're in a country, at least for now, where we're not necessarily having people wanting to kill us because of what we believe. That does happen in other countries. So in the early church, they, they were being persecuted. They're being, they're being beat and whipped and tortured and things. And they want to be able to continue. And so what happens when, when there's opposition? A lot of times you, get, you can get afraid, right? So the early disciples, they're afraid. They're like, man, we're, we're, we're meeting with opposition, and, and we're getting, we're getting uh, beaten because of our faith because they're, they're, they're bringing the disciples together, putting them in prison, they're beating them. And this is what it says. So when they're praying out to the Lord, they're crying out to God, they're praying, and this is what their prayer is. They're, they asked God to fill them with boldness. This is one of my favorite prayers in the whole, in the whole Bible is this prayer. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're basically saying, Lord, fill us with boldness and fill and fill us with power and, and let your miraculous signs go forward. Show and tell gospel, right? And verse 31, Jesus, and God answered it. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Have you ever prayed in the place that you, it felt like an earthquake? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine God answering your prayer in such a powerful way that it actually quakes where you stand? That would be incredible. You'd be like, holy moly. <laughs> like, what is happening? It says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? With boldness. They prayed for it. God gave it to them. One more verse here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do what? To be a witness. God, I believe the Lord fills us with his power so that we can not only have relationship and be connected with him in a very intimate and personal way, but also it fills us with power to be a witness. There's power in the personal invite, friends. There's power in your story. There's power in your testimony. So your mission, if you choose to accept... We're coming into a season. This is the this is uh, statistically when you follow church trends and you follow all this stuff. This is the time that people come back to church. Now's the season. It's like harvest season. It's so cool because if you're a farmer, and which I'm not, I've never been. Now is the most, you know, bountiful time. It's when they're out and I'm, if, all you gotta do is drive out and you'll see, you know, the big combines and they're what are they doing? They're they're gathering the grain or they're gathering the the wheat or they're gathering the corn or whatever they're, because it's harvest season. It's also spiritually for some reason, I don't think God coincides things like that on accident. It's the time that most people are most receptive to going to church. It's actually when my family went to church for the first time. It was in, it was in the fall. So friends, your mission to love Jesus, tell people why you do it. Would you bow your heads with me today?